1: So I would err on the side of being more cautious in the beginning, because this is a big life change to have a baby and you started a business. So there's a lot of moving pieces at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. And there's not very much cash on hand.
1: Hello, lovelies. This episode took a lot of turns, so we thought it would be a great two-parter. Last week, I talked about Dahlia's background and current financial situation. She is a self-employed professional calligrapher, right? Who knew? And is going through a very complicated time in her life with moving into a new house, expecting her first baby, which is a high-risk pregnancy. And last week, I gave Dahlia some advice to find financial stability in all the chaos. So without further ado, here is part two. So let's just think that over because I wanted to see where we are Because I'd almost lean towards having you have more in cash and a higher mortgage amount because more in cash would cover that difference.
2: Yeah, and I broke down um, at the bottom of this same tab Mm -hmm. our current cash because we threw a ton of cash into our home closing. Yep. So our current cash and then the amount that I think we'll need over the next three and a half months until we recast the mortgage, and there's basically no buffer above our three month emergency fund.
1: Yeah, no, I think you should only do the four fifty. Just with the, with having a baby, yeah. being on maternity, having a new house, I think you're better off having more cash and having the mortgage be two seventy more a month. Because yeah. in two, so even if let's say you have to cover that out of that extra cash, that extra fifty thousand. The 270 a month times 24 months is $6,500. So $50,000 minus $6,500 leaves you with $43,500 more in cash over the next two years. That gives you yeah. time to get your business up and running so you know kind of more what you're going to make. And yeah. it gives you just a lot more buffer.
2: Yeah. And we've already cut our... Investments to like just the match, basically, yep. like just getting the match. Like, we were being very aggressive with like maxing out our Roth IRAs and putting money into the HSA and all this stuff. And I stopped all of that in the last couple of months in preparation for this. So, yep. we don't really have any room to play there either.
1: Usually, when you have no room to play, is when something goes awry. Yeah. Because here's, yeah. this is what, what, what I would, would do. I would recast it at 450. And in a year, if you, all the expenses are the way they planned out to be, you're back, you know, you've figured out your your split between being a mom and running your business. And you have a more defined income and you have a better idea of where things are going to be. You could then take 25,000 of that money, right? Because you've only used, uh, you know, in 12 months time, 3200 if there were no emergencies. Mm-hmm. So you could take 20000 and throw it on the mortgage and lower it or 25000 You can always go put more money on it. It's going to be right. harder to pull it out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <sighs> so I, I would recast at the higher amount. I mean, 268 yeah. is really not a big monthly difference. It's, right. You know, if something goes awry, it's, you then have to go get a HELOC or put it on a credit card temporarily, you know. Yeah, and we definitely don't want to do that. And the other, like,
2: we have $125 a month in here for, like, baby costs. That's, like... like that, yeah, it might be higher. Based on nothing. <laughs> it's based <Right>. on nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would go for 450 I think 450 on a million-dollar haul, million forty is what, what yeah. the value was. And you're going to have a $450,000 home. You have 590000 in equity. I think that's a perfectly good mortgage. I would... Yeah lean towards having extra cash you have a lot of things that are new that are going on yeah and I think having more cash will provide a lot more peace of mind for you and you can always in a year two years or three years say you know what we're going to pay down we're going to put a twenty thousand dollars towards principal on that but honestly four fifty at five percent is a great mortgage for the value of that home yeah
2: that's true
0: and we'll give it's you hard such a nice Not to buffer. compare it
2: to our old, you know, two point um I know two point seven three percent mortgage. Yeah. Uh, well but, remember you're
1: also gonna get a little bit of a tax break on it in the beginning because it's more interest in the beginning. Right. And I always like giving yeah, people more of a of, of a buffer because you can always, as you know, make those principal payments. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. would err on the side of being more cautious in the beginning because this is a big life changed to have a baby and you started a business. So there's a lot of moving pieces at the moment.
2: Hmm. Yes, there are. And there's not very much cash on hand. Yeah,
1: <laughs> And I always like to have cash on hand.
2: Yes, me too. You could always and adjust want in a to, year or two. Like we always had, I mean, we had more cash on hand than we needed. And then I was really trying to invest it. But then I was keeping it at at like five month emergency fund, and now I'm thinking three month emergency fund, and I would really like to build that back up.
1: I definitely think with a baby, a new business, and a a new bigger home, I would definitely lean towards the four fifty cast. Yeah, I think you're right. You can because the thing is, you can always change your mind. (laughs) Right. It's much easier to throw fifty at the mortgage than it is to try and pull fifty out. Yeah. That's
2: true. Yeah. And we have a lot of investments, like even if we don't continue investing aggressively right now,
1: we're right. Even if you take a little break. So, to yeah. give a summary of all of the the total investments that you have between 401, you know, 401A, 403B, yeah. 401A, Roth's brokerage account, traditional SEP, you have 424000 saved. Yeah. And that's in a down market, so it was higher yes. at the beginning of the year.
2: Yes. every time so, I click it I'm like, well that number is lower. <laughs> but yes, we do. And like so, we could stop investing right now and still and be, retire by the time we're 61.
1: Right, exactly. So I think the big concern is the cash. I would do yeah. the 450, keep the cash on hand and then reevaluate where you are in a year or two and decide then if you want to put 20,000 towards principle or what have you.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that is going to be a relief to have more cash on hand.
1: I just think with a new baby and a new business and a new bigger home, you just mm-hmm. give yourself some leeway and plan for their things to be to go wrong and be more expensive. And then you're you're ready for it. And if yeah. knock on wood, because you're ready for it, nothing happens, which is usually the way it goes in life. <laughs> then you can always decide to put more money on the principal, right? At any time, and it doesn't cost you. So the difference is, if you do the recast at four hundred, and then you need fifty thousand back, you have to either do a HELOC, right? Right. Or refinance. You don't want to refinance because you don't want to lose the rate. Right. So you would do a HELOC, and HELOC takes time and money, right? To yeah. So HELOCs won't be immediate. Versus if you have cash in the bank, it's immediate. If something happens, you can just pull mm-hmm. it out. And Mm -hmm. if you want to make a principal payment, it's almost as easy just to do that as making your monthly payments. There's a little bit, HELOCs aren't terrible, but it's not, it's not an immediate. You can't get a HELOC tomorrow. It takes 60 days, 90 days, depending on the volume of the banks. And it'll depend on what the rates are too at the time, right? So it might not be as attractive in a year.
2: Right. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm sold. Okay. (laughs)
1: I'll sleep better at night.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Me too.
1: (laughs) because you definitely have done a great job j- with what you have currently saved. And this is in a down market. You have 424 between the two of you and at 32. So then at as you said, it, even just using simple math at 42, you'll have 848,000, you know, at 52, you'll have one point, almost 1.7 million. And then um, you'll have three point, basically 4 million at 62. If you're using, uh, compounding return of 7.2%. Mm-hmm. So, and you'll own the house free and clear at that yeah. point. Cause that's exactly 30 years as well. Right. So you'll be in a great spot. You'll have 3.4, you'll own a million dollar house free and clear.
2: Yes. It's so, it's so weird to be like simultaneously so well set up financially and like also panicked,
1: <laughs> you I know, cause it's like so yeah, bad
2: to take money out of the market.
1: No. So I think it's good that you didn't take money out of the market that you borrowed yeah. um, from your parents that you're doing the bridge loan, mm-hmm. but that's why I would take the higher mortgage. So you yeah. have more cash on hand. It'll just alleviate a lot of potential problems. Yeah. Like, cause as you said, you, you've lined everything up really well long-term. So you have moved up to a bigger house that has a higher value. You're still locking in a historically low rate. It's not right. as low as it was five years ago, but you know, 5%, we're heading into high interest rates here. I, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the seventies and eighties, when we had high inflation and high interest rates, mortgages were like 16%.
2: Yeah. Much smaller mortgages, but yes. (laughs) Much
1: smaller mortgages, but really high rates.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. I know. That's what we keep telling ourselves is like, 5% 5% feels painful right now compared to what we had. But if it goes up, we'll be glad we got it when we did.
1: And if it goes down, we can refinance. refinance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I 100% agree. So I think you can definitely take a pause on the other investments just so that you give yourself more breathing room. Just getting your mat- the match is important. yeah. And then I would do the higher recast so that you have more cash on hand for the time being. Because yeah. as you pointed out, you have enough in investments that they'll grow to be over... Ideally, over three million in your early sixties, which is when your mortgage will be paid off.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think that's the key.
2: I think so too. I think that gives us some much-needed wiggle room. Also, something I had been saving for, but I stopped when all of this started happening, was um, we currently drive two thousand eight and two thousand nine vehicles, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like kind of like driving a ticking time bomb. So (laughs) I expect that one or both of us will have to replace our car in the next few years. So I was starting to save like a separate savings account for that. Um, But now I'm just repurposing that into general savings. But having more cash on hand definitely makes that a less scary
1: situation <laughs> yeah because definitely with the baby you're going to want to make sure you have a working vehicle that you're yeah not like, yeah
0: that's like straight it somewhere you know
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no absolutely I think everything else looks really good I just think that having more cash until you have a little more clarity on you know do we need a new car that's a very good mm-hmm. point do we need a new car now how is it going with the house what's it like with the baby
2: yeah yes absolutely Well, do you have any other questions? Um, My other to-do, my other life to-do is like estate planning, question mark. Yeah. (laughs) Especially since we're about to have a baby. So when I was like really early on in pregnancy, I went to my primary care doctor and she said, you should get life insurance now at your like pre-pregnancy slash early pregnancy weight. (laughs) not your like late term pregnancy weight. Um, because I'll have to pay more for being, you know, <laughs> I actually, Yeah. Normally they have you wait
1: till after the baby to get it.
2: That's what I was going to ask. Like, it, does it make sense to do it now? Or does it make more sense to do it
1: after the baby is born? So I would have your husband do it now because there'll be no issue with him getting it. Normally what I've seen, and this could be specific to New York and you're in Virginia, is normally they have the woman wait till she's af- you know, after pregnancy. They won't issue it during. But you could look, you might find out that there's something different. But um, I would only do, and this is another reason why I think it makes more sense for the 450 cast. I would definitely think that you both need it. And I would do term for both of yeah. you. And I would do more on your husband, given that he's the primary earner at this point,
2: right? Yeah, because God mine- would be like childcare if I'm no
1: longer available to provide childcare. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly correct. But if God forbid anything happened to him, you know, you would you will need to cover the you know your food might go down a little, but everything else mm-hmm. besides food would stay identical, right? Right. Yeah. Like,
2: and he just checked and his employer life insurance policy is one times his salary. So that's like better than nothing, but not sufficient.
1: Better than nothing and not sufficient. I always like to say the employer insurance is like the cherry on top. That's mm-hmm. great. But God forbid he lost his job and then passed away three months later. You'd be really in of, a pickle. Really in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be a river without a paddle. Yes. So, I always think, and you know, he might want to change jobs, right? Or, right. and in between changing jobs, there might be a gap. So, I always mm-hmm. think it's good to have your own policy that is yours that stays with you no matter what. And then, whatever you get from work is extra. And yeah. ideally, you never need any of it, right? Right. And how do you
2: feel about supplemental employer policies? He was sending me the brochure and it says that they have like, you can buy supplemental insurance up to five times
1: your salary at a group rate. Yep. That is totally, but you just want to make sure that you can take it with you should he leave the company.
2: Yeah, I think you can. Okay. So
1: that's what you would want to check. Text in the brochure was very small on my phone, but (laughs) you would want to make sure that you get to take it with you. Here's why. Because if it's only while you're employed with them and you don't have the ability to, convert it to your own private policy when you leave, then let's say he leaves his job at 45 to move to another employer and their insurance, or maybe he starts his own business at 45, right? So then there is no group coverage at all. And now that policy that he paid for doesn't get to go with him. Now Mm -hmm. he's going to apply for his own insurance at an older age. That makes sense. And so the term
2: you were just talking to someone else about this in an episode that I just listened to. Would you recommend that being like through approximately
1: retirement age, like 30 year term? I would do 30 year term. It'll line up perfectly with your new mortgage. Right. Okay. And that's probably, you know, even if you retire a little later by 62, as we we just mm-hmm. outlined, you'll have the mortgage paid off on the home and you're, if nothing else, if you add nothing else to your investments, they'll be worth $3.4 million. So if you lost your husband at 62, it would be a personal tragedy, but financially, you would be fine. Right. Yeah. Okay. And we also need to have a will. You need to have a will, but more, imp- and the will is going to be, the important part of your will is going to be, you want the codicil or the... Rider that states who would care for your child, yeah. the guardianship provision. I'm sorry, the guardianship provision. So, you'd want to state who would take care of your child in the event that something happened to both of you. Um, and then, what you want to do is make sure on all your investments that there are named beneficiaries. Yes. Because then everything would pass outside of the will except for your house. But if the house is in, it depends on the state, if you can have your house titled in both names. Yes. Then perfect. So then the will would only really be used in the event that anything happened to both of you. Right. Yeah. So then that the important part of the will is going to be the guardianship provision, which is going to state something, you know, you both die in a car accident, who takes care of your child or children and where, and who cares for the money for the benefit of your child.
2: Yes. Which can be a different person. Right. Right.
1: Yes, definitely, absolutely can be a different person, and and sometimes it makes sense that it is a different person, and you know the way that I've seen it structured is maybe you pay the person caring for the child a stipend, right? So they're not out mm. financially for having now have a child. Right. So some of the money is meant to provide, you know, for their daily care. A stipend, yeah, to pay. So you know, maybe if you're leaving it to. A sibling or a cousin, and they already have a child, and you have two children. So now they're going from two children to four children. Well, maybe they need a bigger house. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have room for two more kids, right? Yeah. So then maybe they get your house, and there's money to help provide the difference in financial cost for them because they had to now be in a bigger house. So because they needed to have more room for more children, you know. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be the same people who care for the money who care for the children. And I think it's you want to think through who would be the best fit for both of those roles. And it could be the same person, but it just doesn't have to be. Right. And ideally you never need it, but you it's the wor the worst scenario is something, God forbid happens to both of you and there are no instructions, that's that's worse. Yeah. But I would say term insurance, I love mm-hmm. term, I don't like putting money into expensive insurance policies. And I like having your own, but I would say 30 years. And then for your for your husband, since he's the primary earner I would just think about what you would need to pay off the mortgage at a minimum, plus to cover other expenses. Because even if that mortgage is paid off, your expenses, right, for maintaining that property are still going to be pretty high. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The taxes alone on this house are like $9,000 a year.
1: <laughs> right, exactly.
2: <laughs> Uh, currently
1: and probably about to go up there and they usually go up, not down. So I would sit down the two of you and figure out how much you think you need to have on him. But I would say it's probably going to be at least a million. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I think so. All right. That's a to-do that needs to happen. My other question is one of our Current investments. I don't know if you saw. It. I wrote next to it. Problem child. Problem child. Child. Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. So I don't even know how this happened, honestly, because I do not like target date funds because I think you're paying too much for not anything better than an index fund. But we have forty five thousand dollars in target date fund with Vanguard in our shared brokerage account, which is not you know, tax protected. And Correct. apparently that like automatically when they adjust the fund, it counts as sale. Yes, it does. Which I didn't realize until I was going to file our taxes last year. And we had like a $5,000 tax bill from that account. And I was very displeased. <laughs> But then I've been like, well, what do I do with it? Because if I sell it, (laughs)
1: it's also taxable.
2: And if I sell it now, we lose a ton of money on it.
1: So it won't be capital gains this year. It could be a loss. It could be a loss. So maybe you should look at it and see if you have, they should be able to tell you approximately, they won't tell you definitively, but they'll tell you approximately if you have a capital loss in it. So the losses can either be short-term or long-term, but if you have a loss in it, this would be the time to get out of it.
2: Okay. Even if it's like a really, like a huge
1: loss? Well, think about it because it's more of a lateral move. So you yeah. sell out of this particular fund. Now, the one thing you have to be careful of is the wash rule, which states that if right. you buy something, you sell something that's down and you take a loss and then you purchase something that's substantially similar within 30 days, they bar the loss, meaning you can't use it. Right. So you just have to be careful in what you switch it into that it's not considered substantially similar. And
2: how would I know that? Like how do I find that it? That is like <laughs> where
1: you're dealing with a very gray area with the IRS. Right. So one way to avoid it totally is to leave it in, sell it, take the loss, leave it in cash for 30 calendar days. Okay. And then after that time frame, so wait day 32, day 33, just... Give yourself a little breather, um, reinvest it, and then it's definitely not a wash sale because you waited that time frame. So you would just leave it in the like if you the money market, yeah, yeah. which is cash, yeah. and then you could pick a different investment. But actually, if you want to get out of that investment, the best time to get out of it is when, when it's down. down. I do. Yeah. Just to avoid the taxes. (laughs) And if you think about it, it's really a lateral move because whatever you're going to put it into is also down. Right. Everything, for the most part, not everything in the market is down, but most things are down in this environment.
2: Right. That's true. That is true. Okay. I think that would be a huge weight off my mind before the next tax season. (laughs) Yeah, make that's that not, that's the hard away. part
1: with um people always really wanna have non retirement accounts and they are great. It's nice to have your own money that's not retirement money. Right. But you're out in the rain, so to speak. Yes. So you're gonna get tax bills on them. Yep.
2: Yes. And I was like, why do I have capital gains? I didn't sell anything. I am buying yep, they, and holding like make- a good long-term investor, and suddenly Hit with a $5,000 capital gains bill. Very rude.
1: Yep. And that can even happen um, with with the target date funds where they're putting you usually in multiple investments and then they're adjusting it as you get closer to Mm -hmm. that target date, which is usually target retirement. So they get more conservative. But it can also happen with mutual funds because if you own a mutual fund, they own multiple stocks inside of it. Mm -hmm. And so even though maybe you didn't sell your mutual fund, maybe the portfolio manager made an adjustment inside the fund. So therefore you have gains.
2: So if I'm trying to choose a different investment that will not incur the same problem in future years, is there like a category that would be
1: safe? Well, I, so I don't love single stock, but single stock tend to be the most efficient for tax purposes, right? Because you just have your cap, you just have your dividends and your capital gains and not all stocks pay dividends, but you'd have your capital gains. Um, you can look for something that's marketed as tax efficient. Um, and ETFs generally can be a bit more tax efficient than a traditional mutual fund, but you could also look for ones that market themselves as tax. You want to look for tax efficient.
2: Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: And that was not tax advice. That's just tax efficiency means that you're looking for something that's going to have less dividends, less capital gains, and less internal turnover. Because the internal turnover is what was getting you. Because you didn't make a sale, internally they did. And that's called internal turnover. So when you are looking, you can look at, they sometimes will post the turnover, uh, I think the turnover percentages. Inside of the fund. Oh. Yeah, and so the, you can see if it has high turnover, maybe not something you want because it's not going to be as tax sensitive, right? Right.
2: Interesting. Okay. So, I was just going to see, like, for Vanguard S and P 500, if they have that stat, for instance, turnover rate, two point three percent.
1: Well, that that's pretty low. Okay. That makes sense. Hmm, okay. Did not know. So that something you don't need to look at. So you don't need to look at that with retirement accounts, right? Because they're right. tax sheltered. You right. don't pay any taxes until you take them out. They grow tax they grow tax deferred. But when you're investing your own money, you have to be conscious of taxes. Yeah. Depending on your tax your tax rate, right? Because now uh, investments as long as they're long term so held over w- one year so over twelve months are taxed at the capital gains rate which is lower than your w two wages mm-hmm. it's a lower tax rate than ordinary income which is w two but it's still taxed so you i think what you found is you you're more sensitive to the taxes so you would prefer to have a more tax mm-hmm. efficient so you want to look at more tax efficient investments. So usually ETFs are more tax efficient than mutual funds. And then from there, you would want to look at the turnover okay. as well, what those what those numbers look like. And you could just compare what you currently have to what you're looking to invest in and see what the difference is. And that'll be a good indication since you already know what the tax bill was on the current investment versus what you're looking at switching it to. Right. But when you go to sell and then reinvest, you just need to be conscious of the wash sale rule, mm-hmm. which is If you sell something and you, let's say you take a $10,000 loss, but if you buy something that's deemed by the IRS to be substantially similar, they will bar you from taking that $10,000 loss, which means you did it for nothing.
2: Right. Okay. That would be good. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes me feel like I know what to look for. (laughs) Because I was like, well, I know (laughs) I don't want this, but I don't know what the heck to do with it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely think now that we're in a down market is a good now that you know that you don't want that yeah. that's a good time to get it's it's counterintuitive when the market's down everybody wants to you know do nothing but a po- a positive of a down market is what I call booking losses yeah. which is taking losses because if you take a loss and then you move to a different investment that is also down but it's almost lateral and If you're able to find something that's substantially different, not substantially similar, that's the rule, Mm -hmm. then you can move it immediately. But if you want to be extra careful, and I always err on the side of caution, you just wait the 30 days and then you can reinvest it um, and be beyond beyond 30 days. So day 31, day 32, day 33. And then now you've got a loss that you can use. If you don't use it this year, you can use it going forward. stays with you. And
2: then you're still in the market. So if I don't use it this year, I can use it in the future. Going forward. It'll balance out that much in capital gains
1: whenever they occur. Correct. You can yeah, you can use up to 3. I believe the rule, I have to double check it, but I believe the rule is 3000 a year unless you have gains. So, if you don't have any gains, you can use up to 3000 and then carry forward the rest of it. Oh. Let's see. Okay. Your maximum net capital loss in any year is 3000. Okay. So then you would just use it going forward. So I would just
2: put like $3,000 in capital in losses on our
1: 2022 taxes. And then- Yeah, let's say you sell the position yeah. for a loss. Let's just say in theory, you have 10,000. Let's say you have no gains this year, nothing made money. <laughs> Seems likely. Then you can use, <laughs> which could be possible. Yeah. You could use 3,000 and then you could use the rest of it going next the following year. Okay, I did not know that. Okay. Yep, and they can be- Then This is why it's nice. They can be carried forward- um, I'm pretty sure they even carry forward. You can double check with your CPA because I'm not licensed to give tax advice, but you can, I'm pretty sure they can be carried forward indefinitely.
2: Okay. Good to know. And so we hopefully
1: don't have major losses every
2: year, right? So it is an opportunity. So that would balance out some capital gains. Going forward. Someday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sunday. Exactly. But that's why there's a silver lining to a down market. Yeah. If it's not in a retirement account, you can look to, we call it harvesting losses. Mm-hmm. We go and look for them Yeah. because you can use them going forward.
2: Yeah. It's really been killing me to like stop all of our investments right now. Cause I'm like, the market is on sale, <laughs> but
1: it is, but you're still getting your match. Cash.
2: Yes. Still getting the match.
1: Still getting the mash. And then this is another way to be proactive in a down market is to get a loss that you can use it going for it when you are back into investing more aggressively. Yes, very true.
2: Okay. I feel better about the cash buffer that we're going to have and knowing what to do with that (laughs) That one investment. Okay, good.
1: (laughs) Yes, I always like to have more cash. I just think it gives you more optionality and you can always decide in a year or two, you know what, we're comfortable or Mm -hmm. the business is taking off and we don't need as much. Now we'll put more on the mortgage and pay it down a bit more. You can always do that. It doesn't go away. That's an option for the next 30 years. Right.
2: Yes, that's true.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Dahlia, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And for all our lovely listeners, you can check us out with the most up to date information on Instagram, which is Future Rich Podcast, or on our website, www.futurerichpodcast.com. And if you like or even love the show, it would be wonderful if you could rate or review us on Apple or
0: Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies.